Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. Hope you're having a good day, sir. Happy Thursday, by the way. I and happy Thursday to you, too, sir. I know it's Thursday. It's garbage day. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's funny. When when you work out of your house I and know. you don't have a calendar that you have to adhere to, yes. benchmarks in life mark the days. Otherwise... You know, your ship's at sea without a rudder, which my ship's you never know, had Isn't a it amazing how things change as you, you get older? For example, uh, well, you you are yourself. you feel informed. <laughs> you feel informed when you know uh, which are the trash pickup days, holidays, you know. You, oh, they're not picking up the trash this week because it's so-and-so day. You you feel like you're, you've accomplished something by knowing that. That fact, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, even though it was President's Day this week where I live, it wasn't a holiday as far as the garbage guy is concerned, and he picked it up on a regular day. And I felt really good knowing that. I was on top of my game. Well, uh, yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> felt good about that. I, you know, today is my day for him to come by and pick it up. And uh, uh, I, but, you know, I noticed it was a little cold outside when I was standing on the curb, so I just left a note that they could come in and get me. <laughs> Take out the papers and the trash. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. You, um, uh, you, you're aware of what's going on with your garbage, uh, but a lot of people aren't aware of what's happening in their country, you know? No, uh, no. Well, Bill, what if they, I, are they? I was just going to say, what if I told you, in the state of Massachusetts, every single day, it cost $64 to house and feed an illegal. I think we talked about this yesterday. Yeah, that's true. It does. And I believe that number is um, rather lenient on what it really is. Because, you know, housing, that, that's a cost in and of itself. That's what if I told you that if you were on food stamps... In Massachusetts, you got seven or eight dollars a day. Oh, I'd believe that. So, if you're a citizen and you're having difficulty making ends meet, um, you it would be better if you went down to the border, went to Mexico, and then crossed back and pretended that you were an illegal because you'd get more benefits. Right, and you know what? You'd have to thank your governor for that. And I don't mean to pick on her and her you know, her sexuality or anything. But, you know, uh, the other thing, if, uh, I, what was it? What was, what game she, was being she played? Just, she just appointed a judge, I think, in Massachusetts yes. who was her former -lover. Par paramour. And um, when I say paramour, I'm talking about same-sex paramour. But she justified it by saying, oh, but she's very knowledgeable. I can attest to that. First hand. I'll bet you can. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can attest to, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a lot of things about her. But I was getting to, you know, she's all for transgenderism and in sports and allowing it. And I uh, forget the game it was. It's all over the oh, news, even mainstream I news. saw the one with the basketball player. Yeah, the basket. Yeah, the, the, the dude playing as a chick. Yeah. You know, I mean, he did more than rough up. The, the girl on he the other team. Her. Yeah. Well, knocked your teeth out. She's got to get major jaw surgery. Partial paralysis, Bill. Yes. Yes. And it's all cool under the woke, um, you know, governor. I'm not going to sit there and pick no, up her I sexuality, but she, I her to support that 
is wrong. You know, I'm sorry, but also, if I were the coach of that uh, girls' basketball team, as soon as she was the third player, she was the third player they hurt in that game. After the first player was hurt, actually, if I if I saw that they want to have a guy who, and by the way, he stood about six three or yeah. six four. If I saw a guy six three with long hair pretending to be a, a, a girl playing basketball with the other girls, I'd say, "That's it. We're done. We're not playing this game." Yeah, and, it took him three injuries to sit there and yeah. say we forfeit. But I think any team that goes against that team should go ahead and forfeit. And sooner or later, they will not give them the victories. And if they get a hollow victory of going, hey, we made it to the champions, yeah. thanks to, you know, you know, Sasquatch here. Uh, <laughs> Did you say Sasquatch? <laughs> yeah, Sasquatch. Uh, yeah. You know, the, but the you big... can call him Bigfoot, yes. <laughs> I, I can call him. I'd love to knock him the hell out. Well, you know, these, I'm a man. I'm sorry. I also think a lot of these guys are doing it just because they can. They have no shame. They think it's kind of funny. You know, If in their personal life, you wonder, do they still have all the guy friends they had growing up? These, these, uh, is, it, is it like a game that these guys are playing? I can yeah, and they that. model their lingerie for them, too. I don't, I don't know, but that is just sick. Yeah, well, as Simple far as, as I'm that. concerned, uh, it, it, it is wrong. And I still have not heard a word from the National Organization for women, I mean, most of my uh, my uh, adult life, I've heard comments about everything from the, the from now. You know, mm-hmm. now says this, now stands for that, now is going to do this. Right now, I hear no now, <laughs> nothing. They are crickets. You know, women are supposed to be liberated. It's supposed to be a new time. It's They're supp- supposed to, yeah. Yeah, but all of a sudden, uh, we have a silent uh, feminist organization uh, doing nothing, falling down on the job, not helping women at all. Women are being this. This is this is cruel. What they're doing to young women, uh, people who have trained maybe their whole life to to be uh, an accomplished athlete, swimmer tennis player, boxer, wrestler, volleyball player, whatever. These people have trained to do something well. Then they get into the arena and they change the rules. Like you say, they allow Sas- Sasquatch to to, uh, to play against them. Some yeah. And people will say, well, you know, he, he thinks he's a woman. He feels like a Well, that's great. Let him play in a league where it's all trans people. Let him, you know, let him play in a league where... He still has to compete with people uh, who are built physically like he is, because there's a different difference, folks, in the body of a man and a woman. I'm not just talking about the obvious. I'm talking about muscle mass. I'm talking about size. I'm talking about a lot of things. And you don't you don't put those two together and let them compete. I was I was watching an interview with uh, a lady who is um, she's 40 years old. She's still mm-hmm. she's a mother and she competes. She her hobby is weightlifting, believe it or not. And she was saying she can bench press. Uh, I don't know five hundred pounds or whatever. Uh, Pretty and, damn good. Yeah, and she's very really proud of it. And it's really really special for a woman to do mm-hmm. that. But the, the guy that was doing the interview was Carl Higby, and Carl Higby said, "Yeah, it's not fair. 
you worked your life till you, you can bench press 500 pounds. He said, I'm a former Navy SEAL who doesn't compete like you do, yet casually I can go into my gym and I can bench press 600 pounds. So how fair is that to you? He said, just, just because I'm an, I, you know, I worked out and I can do stuff, I can, I can lift 600. If I compete against you tomorrow, I'll be a champion. You've worked your whole life to get to 500 pounds. You've done a masterful job, yet you're being punished in this society today. Yeah. He ate Twinkies and bench pressed a tricycle, and he's... Yeah, you know, exactly. It, it, it's the nature of things, and it's not fair, but they want to go down that path. Yep. And, and it's interesting, like in Massachusetts, you've got a governor that is openly gay. You know, she's appointing people that are her former lovers or yep. friends, which I'm like going, I don't care about their sexuality until you made it a point to point it out. And then all of a sudden, now I care because that means it's a predisposition for you. It's an important element of your of your resume. You know, you yeah, know yeah. Bill, do you think that uh, if a guy had an affair with a woman, even if he didn't have an affair, let's say he was a single guy, but he lived with a woman for a number of years, they broke up, then he became governor, and he said to everybody, I'm going to appoint my former live-in lover as a judge. I really know her. How do you think the media would have responded to that if it was reversed? You know? Well, I don't know, because uh, there are, you know, uh, the on the male side, you know, I mean, and now uh, Buttigieg is not appointing uh, his spouse uh, for anything. But you know, we have got a very, very but the difference weird... is the difference is I'm talking about a straight guy appointing yeah. a woman. I there's the difference. Oh, that would be, yeah, okay. Now the straight guy appointing a woman uh, that would raise all kinds of flags, yeah. as well it should. But anybody that Look, if I got into office, I don't have a sister or anything like that, but if I mm -hmm. appointed a sister, a brother, or I appointed a girlfriend or a wife to a position, that which that should raise flags. But it shouldn't matter, you know, the the, the sexuality of them. It, when when someone is close to you like that, and you know, I say that you could have a friend that you've I guess appointed somewhere or you know, it's it's hard to differentiate that, but this is very close and personal. Fanny Willis, right? Oh. What's what's the difference? Fanny Willis is a DA. She lives with this guy. You know, I forgot his name. You know, but she's Wade. Wade, yeah, Wade, and all, all of a sudden she appoints him uh, an assistant district attorney, right? On in right. her office, uh, based upon the logic in Massachusetts, it should be no big deal. And it's actually, just to be fair, now they're not going to decide on this. They might, but apparently it's not until the first or second week of March. Now, mm -hmm. there is a, a, a private closed-door hearing with a friend of Wade that may not be a friend, and it depends on what he says, because here's, here's the skinny in a nutshell. We, we know about the funds that she spent and all that, and she's, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I stuffed away money in a cookie jar. Yeah, right. I kept campaign funds and put it in the cookie jar. Apparently under Georgia law, you know, they're buying that face value so it's cool because she 
she elaborated that it was just her money that she socked away, and that's just part of her her regiment of what she always does. I call BS, but okay, we'll buy that. Oh, she had this affair. Well, you know, it's not like what you say, and it didn't happen after I brought him in. No, it this uh, or before it was after, you know. So that's what they're saying is that because it was after, eh, you know, by Georgia law, she gets a pass. So I think they're leaning towards actually giving her a pass, unless this. Well, I think, for example, witness. I think you have the issue of um, using campaign funds uh, improperly. Uh, she said it. She said it on uh, the stand. She went and used election funds. I had some election funds I used. You can't do that. You cannot. You you have well, to. You have to account for what those funds are being used is, for. Apparently, the judge and the media is overlooking that. They're overlooking the fact that when she came charging in, she wasn't supposed to be on stand. I'm ready to testify. It was obvious that she was listening to the testimony, which was something that she was precluded from doing. She was not supposed to. Yeah. It is not only improper, in, uh, you know, uh, uh, conduct. It's actually uh, illegal. I'm not there. as convinced as you are that he's going to uh, let her off the hook. Well, they, they, they I, want to I say watched, that. I watched the hearing. He admonished her at least two times on the stand, and he did so. He did it politely, but he did it firmly. He wasn't... Uh, all, uh, you know, buddy-buddy with uh, Fannie Willis. And a lot of the experts, you know, the other if people are well, saying... the experts are saying that, yeah, she, she's going down like yeah, a sinking ship. But, exactly. But, you know, there is the, what they say, the threshold for Georgia law. And if he looks over certain things, um, she could get a slide, and that would be a terrible injustice, and I don't know how the public I would think react, that because would the put, media... That would put Trump's case, uh, uh, his, his. Uh, if if they t- if they find against him, right, the Fannie Willis right. case, uh, I think automatically they got a, a a a thing to appeal on because of a decision like that. And I think this is <clears throat> this judge knows that. I think he knows that uh, if I if I let her slide. It's going to have a ripple effect that's going to affect a number of different legal decisions, and I can't do that. That's why I think this guy's going to come back. I think at the very least he's going to remove her from this case, but uh, he may go down as he may say, "Look, you're removed, and I'm going to have you admonished, and I'm going to have maybe put, he might even disbar her, you know, for what well, she has well, done." What, yeah, the the I think the. I think the piece of evidence that he's that may be the the deciding factor is the closed door testimony after the trial that uh, has either taken place or is going on the the so-called friend of Wade that may have contradicting testimony to show that she lied. Now, he shows See, that don't you think she lied, Bill? Don't you think that Wade? Uh, if he has closed door testimony happening right now, not I, Wade, it's his friend. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if there, if that friend is is testifying to, on behalf of Wade, I think it's because Wade may be concerned. Forget Fannie Willis; he may be concerned about his side and his license, 
and maybe he's trying to protect himself. You know, maybe there's a rift now between Fanny and, and Wade that didn't exist before this trial. She couldn't have been happy with his testimony. You saw that. He, he, well, her he was friend came sweating in and, and drinking water, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, he yeah, he was lying through his teeth about the time frame. Her friend threw that time frame out the window, and this friend of his is not really a great friend, a close friend. You know, uh, the, if I had an enemy, they would say, "Oh yeah, yeah, Bills know this guy for years; they're friends." Yeah, no, if he's an enemy, he ain't no friend, and if he's having a closed door meeting, he's definitely not a friend. You know, he's he's there to throw you under the bus. So it's going to be interesting because they you have you have the accusations that she is lying and she lied under oath. But if you have somebody that crosses that T and dots that I, then she is in deep trouble. And this didn't happen on camera. It will happen behind closed doors to where the judge will make a decision. I have a question for you. Can um uh, can Wade be found innocent and can Willis be found guilty? Or well, do they both have to go so, down? You're asking somebody that is not, not a legal scholar. I don't know. I would think that Banny, Banny's the person that is in question here. Wade only has to worry about what he testified to and what he said that concerns him, not what concerns her. In other words... He needs to only worry about his own butt, and that's it. And Fanny's got to worry about her broad butt. So she has got a problem. Now, a lot of experts will think he, if this case uh, finds against Fanny, and if she's removed, uh, then that might even put the whole case in jeopardy, like uh, dismiss the whole thing because it was uh, something that never should have been brought up. Uh, she was doing it only to benefit herself. Uh, you know, and a lot of people think that they think they they felt that she was doing this to uh, gain notoriety, to improve her political status in Georgia, uh, and it was not done for the legal merit because there was. Well, you none. know, Fanny went to church before the trial, during and after, to rally up. You know, she says everything is racist. Well, you know, yeah. she went to to stoke the coals of racism and and do that and you know so what she's done by doing that it was inappropriate and it creates a big giant mess you know what happened a couple of judge. days ago they gave her an award a couple yeah. a, a couple of days ago yeah i was it a church that gave her an award bill? yeah it's the church you know and i'm sitting there going but see okay Let's just be honest. She's a black woman. She goes to a predominantly black church. Right. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying it's all black. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm saying the predom it predominantly is. And she's in there speaking. This is racially motivated. This oh is that. God. This is this. And it is a democratic strong area. So I'm like going, okay, you're playing a card here that should not be dealt. It should be. Level you know, there are, lot of, there are a lot of there uh, are a lot of minorities who are getting tired of that. Meaning, you know, yeah. they they look at the situation and say, "Stop using that." You know, stop using race for everything. Uh, th these liberal leftists, uh, whenever they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar, uh, the first thing they yell is racism, or well, you're doing it because I'm a woman, or something like that. 
Hey, the, fact that, her... the fact that she took seven vacations in like nine months, the fact that she went on cruises all over the place, the fact that she says she only used cash, didn't use a credit card or checks, the, the fact that she has no receipts, that's not supposed to mean anything to us. We're supposed to say, oh, well, some people just use cash. Folks, I don't know anybody who buys thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff with just cash and keeps no receipts. Well, apparently she does, and that's well, just Well, you know what she way. said, Bill? She said on the stand, it's a black thing. Yeah, see, that's another thing. Yeah, it's, it's a black thing. You know, and then she goes in. I mean, she basically... You know, admitted, oh, yeah, you know, it was ravenous, this and that. You know, they, they, they were in lust. Right. Not in love. And then, and then to go and go to a church and, like, it's it's black thing and it's totally natural, I would be offended if I were a black person because, yeah. you know, she is promoting all the stereotypes that are out there. Well, she uh, she's – I think she was playing a game and she thought she had all the cards on her side of the table, and I think – She's found out that the opposition has now got a better hand, and she's stuck. I, I, I would be surprised. I will be disappointed in our— Look, I have been disappointed time and time again with our judicial system nowadays. They, they Look at what happened in New York. The, the most ridiculous decision in the history of law, you know? I mean, well, $355 million punishment for a crime that had no victim. You think it's going to stop there? Hold your beer. I mean, it's going to keep on going and going and going. And you were talking about something that I'd heard about uh, before we started doing the podcast, and that's the fact that, you know, and we've mentioned it before, the Democrats have got a game plan all the way through. They had a game plan back in 2020. What if Biden's losing? How are we going to flip this? And now they it's very obvious if you look at the polling and everything that Biden is going to lose. And yet... You know, they got a plan of how to flip it. I think the only thing that they've got a problem with is they may not get to that plan. They may have to go to plan C, D, or E because, you know, Biden's out doing speeches where the, the teleprompter fought him and won in, in a speech. And then uh, in California with a uh, speech, the mayor had to jump in and start uh, answering the questions because Biden was. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I saw that. Uh, yeah. Uh, ooh, you know, got I lost. Mean, well, you know, he got lost. Is he going to make it? Before we get into the, that piece that you're talking about, uh, you, uh, along uh, the lines of uh, who wants Joe to run again, who's the real power behind the presidency? Jill, uh, you got that right. Doug Brinkley and uh, Amy, Amy Amy Parnes. She writes, I think, for the Hill. Uh, Doug Brinkley is a presidential historian. They were on Face the Nation over the weekend. And they were talking about who really is the power behind behind uh, Joe Biden. Listen. But I've noticed, Doug, that Jill Biden, the first lady, has been out front uh, working with the president, uh, urging supporters to rally behind him. Do you believe she's a vital part of this campaign? She is the vital part. Dr. Jill Biden is it. You know, if you go back to 1952, Harry Truman could have run, and he didn't. Why? Well, the Korean War and, you know, other but. but Best wanted to go back to independence. The, 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 you know, he, he didn't like it in Washington. If he cut 
of 68, uh, Lyndon Johnson was quit in March of 68, and people say because of Walter Cronkite. No, the big thing was his health was bad. He had a bad heart. He was smoking, high blood pressure, tension, and Lady Bird Johnson didn't want to stay in it. He wanted, let's go back to Texas, and convinced Johnson to step down. So the Truman, I'm giving you two, Truman could have stayed on, and Johnson, and they both said, no, it's because their wives, their spouse said enough. That's not the case with Jill Biden. She likes power. She wants to stay. She wants some sense of revenge. She teaches in Virginia Community College. This milieu around our building here, this is, is her home. Um, and the idea of relinquishing it all uh, after you've taken the slings and arrows of the last uh, years of attacks. And at the last minute, just when you get all the delegates, you're going to say, I'm going to open it up to a bunch of people. It's it's very childish when you read those kind of reports. Yeah, I see no reporting that that's going to happen. No, I don't think he would ever, ever, ever. I mean, he th he feels that he is the most capable person of beating Trump. He said it publicly. He said it privately to former President Barack Obama. He said it to countless people. He thinks that he's the only one in the game who can do this. And he points to 2020 and even dating back to 2016. You know, he actually had beef with Hillary Clinton for a while because he thought, you know, if he would have run instead, he could have beaten uh, Donald Trump. And so, and here we are, you know, in this, he thinks in this whole mess. So, but his problem is right now that he's going to have to counter all these polls that say that, you know, people don't have confidence in him anymore. When you see polls from 2020, he was supposed to be the guy who united the country, who was there to bring everyone together, who um, was the, you know, he talked about the soul of the nation. And a lot of people look around, they look at their bank accounts and they say, look, I'm still not feeling, I'm not feeling great about things. I, I think that the country has become more divisive. And I think that he might pay the price for that. He thinks he's the only one who could beat Trump. But let me remind people, remember the, uh, there was a movie out back in the late 40s called Arsenic and Old Lace. And oh, yeah. uh, in that movie, one of the characters who was delusional kept running out onto the upper landing in the uh, living room with a, with a trumpet. And he would blast it and he would uh, pretend he was Teddy Roosevelt. He was not Teddy Roosevelt. So if Joe thinks he's the only one who can beat uh, Trump, uh, I would submit that he's about as delusional as that character from Arsenic and Old Lace. He has uh, he right now he's behind by nine points, and and you know who's uh, entering the pack? That I was looking at the odds this morning in in Las Vegas. You have Trump is the guy who's on top. Then you have Biden nine nine or ten points back in Kennedy. the odds. Then in the third spot is Michelle. Michelle, oh, Michelle is in, she's she's in there, followed by Gavin. Now Hillary's not mentioned. No one else has mentioned. Those are the four well, top. Well, didn't people. we talk about uh, Gavin and Michelle yesterday? Yes, we did. Yep. And uh, uh, they must have been listening to the show, Bill, because well, those are the odds today. Well, yeah, and and the interesting thing is, you know, I think we went through this. All they got to do is sweep up the delegates, get them organized, and that's it. Joe can drop out. They just got to keep them going until they get it, and then boom, Super Tuesday. Once they have it, they can replace the candidates. And then, you know, and the Democrats, because they know the Democrats, if they have a choice, will vote Democrat for the most part, even if it's Gavin. And 
I think you could bring up the record of California, which is terrible, and it's some $72 billion in debt, not 36, but 72 or 76. And they will be willing to look aside. And Michelle, well, what has Michael done? I mean, Michelle done nothing. And I, I think I was reading recently where California is the uh, number one state for people leaving the state. Yes. You know, uh, that's not because he's doing a great job, folks. Not at all. Um, well, but we would, and, go ahead. I'm, I was just going to point out you were talking a little while ago before we played that piece uh, about uh, the plans that the other side have uh, yeah. to rectify in their mind, rectify uh, a bad election should it happen, and that they had it before and they've done it before. Uh, Mike Benz is he's the uh, director of the Foundation for Freedom Online, but before that he was like the Assistant Secretary of State for Cyber Information uh, under the Trump administration. He's a smart guy. He knows he was just interviewed a little while ago uh, by Tucker Carlson, a long, extensive interview. Right. You can find that online. I think they posted that like uh, last week. Uh, but Mike Benz was doing a walk and talk. You know, that's where you, you're out right. there with your uh, cell phone and you turn the record on and uh, you walk and getting some exercise and you're talking about what's going on. And uh, he did this. It's a little long, but it's worth listening to. Uh, he explains uh, what may be really going on. I just saw a Liz Cheney clip posted by Representative Dan Bishop, and it had her describing Trump's run for president in 2024 as potentially the last election in American history. This echoes a long line of foreign policy establishment apex predators who are all now suddenly in unison championing this framing of Trump as a dictator, as an authoritarian. This is obviously stuff they've recycled from before, but it's all sort of converging right now. And, you know, this attack on democracy, dictator, authoritarian thing. And especially this framing of it being the last election if we don't stop it. Now, you have to recognize the trick here and go all the way back to the beginning. The framing techniques they're using right now are the same ones used in 1948 at the very dawn of the creation of the Central Intelligence Agency to create a predicate for dirty tricks. And I'll talk about what those dirty tricks are going to be, but just a quick history lesson here. Uh, the, the CIA was created under the Nas 1947 National Security Act, and the very first thing it did to rig an election overseas was to rig the 1948 Italian election, which was the first democratic election after World War II, you know, after Mussolini had been, had been gored, and, and suddenly Italy was torn between a Euro-Atlanticist Western-backed political candidate for president and a Soviet-backed, communist-sympathetic president. And the, and the Central Intelligence Agency, with support from the State Department and certain private interests, and, and certain interests within Italy itself, ranging from the Sicilian mob, who our, our national security state had partnered with because they were persecuted by, by Mussolini. So, the, so, so Italian street muscle was used as a sort of uh, makeshift resistance movement within Italy. We kept those networks. With, with, the, with the underground and with media institutions and propaganda institutions. We, we bribed, cajoled, stuffed ballot boxes, the whole, the whole dirty, dirty works that you could possibly do. 
And uh, George Kennan wrote, he's one of the godfathers of the CIA. He wrote a memo after this happened. It's called The Inauguration of Organized Political Warfare, published later that year, 1948, where he explains the logic of it and, and basically you know, writes a letter essentially to the intelligence community saying, listen, we're in the we're in the business of dirty tricks now. After World War II has has uh, has uh, has ended, because if we don't do dirty tricks, the Bolsheviks will, and these dirty tricks work. And he goes on to explain that the 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 problem was is if the communist candidate had won the presidency there in Italy, then there would be no elections in Italy again, possibly. So we had to rig this one. We had to stuff ballot boxes. We had to work with the mob to bust up any uh, any pro-Soviet uh, meetings that were happening in Italy. We had to use street muscle. We had to go dirty, dirty, dirty using CIA tricks to rig the election because it might be the last election ever if we don't. So it was a predicate used to establish a protocol around doing things that you're not normally allowed to do in an election cycle if someone poses an existential threat to you know the the, the system of of governance that they call democracy now we saw this happen in 2020 for example the transition integrity project which was this uh, you know 65 person hugely influential group of people this included Donna Brazil the former head of, of the DNC Michael Steele the former head of the RNC so the two most recent heads of both major political parties as well as about 60 some officials from the Department of Defense the Department of State the intelligence community and then other cluster networks around everything from journalism to uh, to to champions of industry and they had a role play simulation about how to overturn the 2020 election this is in june 2020 five months before the election happened about how they could overturn the election if trump won to save democracy and make sure that he would not be able to have a second term this is they had simulation three i've posted this a million times but i'll put it in the thread below simulated four simulations in simulation number three john podesta personally played a role-playing role of joe biden john podesta who was hillary clinton's campaign manager and now runs the largest pot of money in the entire federal government a 370 billion dollar slush fund for energy project projects he personally role-played the role of joe biden and what did they do it was in this role play it was dirty tricks the, the simulation went as follows. If Trump won a, a, quote, clear victory at the Electoral College, but had lost the popular vote, they were going to mobilize Black Lives Matter street muscle. They wrote this. Mobilize Black Lives Matter street muscle and use their anger to, to essentially become a pro-Biden, anarcho-tyranny force that would shut down the country as a color revolution does in Serbia or in Tunisia or as the CIA organizes abroad. Who is the head of the Transition Integrity Project, by the way? It was, uh, it was a woman named Rosa Brooks, who was a former high-ranking Pentagon official, who in her own book talks about how she had a CIA blue badge, which allows you to access essentially the inner sanctum of the CIA and is currently sort of masquerading as a, maybe that's too strong a word, but is, is currently employed as a professor of democratization studies at Georgetown, which if you know what that means, that means she teaches courses on how to overthrow governments. Now, as we know, from the Time Magazine article that came out just weeks after the election, uh, 
It turned out that the Chamber of Commerce had a, had a deal struck with the AFL-CIO, which used to be called the AFL-CIA by, uh, by, by folks back in the 1960s because of how closely it worked with the Central Intelligence Agency as street muscle for overthrowing foreign countries, as what happened in Poland with the trade unions there under Lech Walesa and in many other countries, but I'll save that for another time. The Chamber of Commerce and the AFL-CIO came to a mutual agreement for a stand-down of the destabilizing protests they had planned if Trump had won the election. The Time Magazine article stipulates this. Now, wouldn't you know, the Chamber of Commerce and, and, the, and the, the unions are two of the four stools of the National Endowment for Democracy, which has four branches. The National Democratic Institute, which is for basically Democrat Party payoffs on foreign policy initiatives. The International Republican Institute, which is for Republican Party payoffs on international initiatives. The Center for International Private Enterprise, which is the Chamber of Commerce wing of the CIA cutout. And the Solidarity Center, which is the, which is the street muscle uh, labor union wing of, the, uh, of the, the CIA cutout known as the National Endowment for Democracy. So you had this, these blob creatures in charge of these destabilization plans. We know that the same way these kind of destabilization protests to shut down the ability to govern are done by our national security state abroad, it happened to have an identical structure in 2020, and it was all done on this predicate that if we don't stop this now, if this man, even, even if he wins fair and square, the country won't be normal after. You know, there will be the last election ever. The same phrasing they used to justify rigging the Italian election in 1948. This is the predicate to set up those same Department of Dirty Tricks again. That's Mike Benz, uh, a former uh, assistant secretary of, uh, of state for the State Department. And uh, he has some uh, interesting comments about uh, where we've been historically with uh, our dirty tricks. It doesn't sound like something a, uh, a democratic leading country should be doing, uh, rigging elections in other countries, but apparently yeah. we've done it. But, you know, he started it off, Bill, by saying that Liz Cheney made a comment about if Trump is elected, it would be the last election ever. And uh, actually what she said was this. A vote for Donald Trump uh, may mean the last election that you ever get to vote in. And again, I, I don't say that lightly. Um, and it, it, I think is heartbreaking that that's where we are. But people have to recognize that, that a vote for Donald Trump is a vote against the Constitution. Why is she still relevant? Why is she a guest on these well, programs? You got to look at her dad you got to look at the previous administrations and what they've done. And I think that's a threat. You vote for Donald Trump, and that's it. We're gonna, that's good. Uh, that's, that's a good point, Bill. Yeah. That, that, what, what she's saying is, uh, you know, then, then, then the, the, you know, the jig is up and uh, the game is over. Yeah. There won't be any more elections. There won't be. You know, it's just they're going to take it. So do you think, we, by the way, if Trump wins – because Trump is saying the the way to do it is to completely swamp the system, overwhelm them to a point where they just can't keep up with the actual well, real vote count. Look what's going on in the public right now. You got to look at South Carolina, which is going on this weekend. Uh, Trump sixty two percent, Nikki like thirty five percent. Sure, I think Biden got his fair share there, but that doesn't matter. the The numbers are overwhelming. Trump is ahead of Biden. 
everywhere in the yep. national polls except maybe New York. And it's looking like if people are seeing through all these lawsuits and what they're doing is they think they're going to sue Trump out of the election and bankrupt him, what he, they're doing is they're going to sue him into the White House because people are going, okay, you know, one, two, maybe three, four, five, six. Come on. You know. They were dancing in the street, Bill, over the weekend when the judgment came down for $355 million. And they said with penalties, it would be $455 million. And then they completely ignored what the story that came out Monday or Tuesday that he was going to make $4 billion on Truth Social. Well, what they're trying to say is he's got now he's got less than 30 days to come up with the million to appeal, or he's got to pay it, or they're going to go after assets. Leticia is just, you know, she's salivating for a trophy. She wants a trophy. Well, they have got illegal immigrants. They want to move into Trump Tower and take it over. And we have an know, amendment bill. Ruin the, it. We have an amendment in the Constitution uh, which prohibits illegal search and seizure. Seizure. They yeah. haven't. They're not supposed to be able to. The government can. For example, let's well, say Jim. let's let's say they let's say they come up with a judgment, and the judgment is for uh, Bill Knight has to pay a hundred thousand dollars, but he hasn't got it. Okay, they can't come based upon that constitutional amendment. They can't come and take your property. They can't take your house. What they do is they slap liens on you and say, okay. You you can't give us the money. Then we're gonna we're gonna start charging you interest, and you can't sell the house until you pay us back what we well, have, what we owed. That's in the real world. But do you think these like are these uh, cases are in the real world? Oh, absolutely not, Bill. Okay, no, so is, these are these are these are evil a, people who do nothing but break the rules. It's a two-tier system. Now, they're going to come back. I mean, uh, E. Jean Carroll is coming back for another lawsuit. you got the Stormy Daniels. It's been thrown out three times. It's a done-over deal. There's nothing there, but they're coming back again. And, you know, they think if they throw it against the wall enough times, it's going to stick, you know, which then, you know, they want to make him a criminal. They want to lock him up. And they're doing everything, everything they can. People are seeing it. Trump, let's 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 look at this scenario. Trump wins the presidency. He becomes the president of the United States. Um, if he says to his Justice Department, "I want you to investigate each of the indictments against me," I want you to look into everything. And if there's been something that you find that is obvious, I want you to file charges against those people. Will the left turn around and say, "Oh, he's"? He's uh, being vindictive. a dictator. He's being vindictive. He's looking for revenge. Well, sure, they're going to say that, but uh, of course they will. Uh, you know, I, we're not. Go ahead. I had, I had a, uh, I had a, a, a legal, a theologian tell me uh, once it, it, it's okay to want justice. Revenge may be wrong. Revenge may be something which you shouldn't ask for. You shouldn't ask for, excuse me, but it's okay to want justice. And wouldn't that be justice? Wouldn't that be, uh, wouldn't that be where we're going with well, uh, justice to whom? Because if it's, uh, no, if, it's if, for... if Trump looks at, has his, his, uh, what do you call it? Uh, his, uh, department of justice do an evaluation of all the right. indictments and they say, okay, 
there was a lot of corruption here. A lot of things are wrong. Trump then has the option of saying thumbs up or thumbs down. Wouldn't it be okay for Trump to say, no, I think there should be justice. People should see that it's not well, okay to do what they did. Difference now is is that Trump's got four years when he gets in. Just four years. So he doesn't care whose boots he tinkles right. on or whose toes he steps on. He's going to have to do it because there's no coming back. So he's got a rare opportunity. He was in for four years. He's had a voice for the past four years, which if he would have gotten the second term, we would be looking towards the end and what are we going to do in November? So he's got a chance to go back and try to right this ship and and still get things in set for the next four to eight years after that. So right. he's got he's got to have a 12-year plan in place, and I think he does, but the left doesn't want to see that because they have worked hard to carve out uh, this government that they, you know, this one world order that they want to have. And they're doing everything they can to dismantle the United States. And speaking of dismantling the United States, nice lead in there, Bill. Uh, Nearly 7.3 million, this is is from Fox News, nearly 7.3 million migrants. They don't use the word illegals. You know, they're trying to be politically, uh, you know, positive. They're trying to uh, be woke to a certain extent. Nearly 7.3 million migrants have illegally, well, they use the word there, have illegally crossed the uh, southwest border under President Biden's watch, a number greater than the population of 36 individual states. Uh, the states yeah, I was going there with this. The states yeah. they're talking about, Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, uh, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Mexico, North uh, Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, uh, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. That's a mouthful. And, and, and we're supposed to think that uh, this is just okay? By the way, I, uh, Trump says that 7.3 million that's a that's yeah. an underestimated figure. He said more, more like double. more like fifteen or sixteen million at least. All right, but think about that. Take their numbers. Yeah. And how many years did the Joe do this in? Two years. Two years. All right. So he gets in. He's got four more years. So you double it every two years. So then you've got uh, fourteen in. Uh, well, let's just say another year now because we're you know in, well into this one. So. Well, we'll call it 14 million. Then after that, double it again. We got 28 million. All of a sudden, you've got a small nation inside of our country that by itself is bigger than any single state we've got. Oh, and they're talking, by the way, one of the largest uh, groups coming into the country right now are Chinese. Yes, Chinese. <laughs> Chinese uh, men in a military you know, age. You got to wonder, and then we're fighting this war with Russia, you know, over the Ukraine. By the way, Putin has ordered that uh, to his military that they've got 30 days. His military has got 30 days to see uh, to uh, to go ahead and take the entire uh, all of the Ukraine. He wants it seized immediately. I believe. So, I believe that uh, when they have uh, an order like that. 
They'll take it very seriously. You're going to see a full court press uh, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't believe. I was, Bill, I was reading an article. They are in such dire straits. I'm talking about the Ukrainians. Uh, that oh. they had, a, in one area, they had their elite forces withdraw from the front lines. And the women come in. The women went in and did the, uh, they protected them while they were retreating. They had a, a unit of women protecting these, uh, quote, elite soldiers as they redeployed, you know. Yeah, shows their priorities. Now, here's an interesting thing. You know, you're going, well, you know, we got to shut Putin down. We got more sanctions, more sanctions. You know, Putin, before he was the leader, he was in the KGB. But you know what he is on top of that? You tell me. An economist. He is, he is, he is actually degreed in economics. And so in his plan, way before this ever began, he was setting Russia up so that your sanctions, you unless you got something he needs or wants, you can't stop. Well, you know, him. you know, one of and the things that Biden, Biden's feeding into his hands. One of the things Biden did was he initiated sanctions against Russia, which immediately improved Russia's economic situation. The- because he is an economist. He's, a, he's got a degree in economics. So yep. he's going, okay, to fight this war and win it, here's what I how I have to position myself. Now, we, in turn, well, we'll sanction him to death. By the way, shut off our gas lines or pipelines. Can we do that? Let's go all EV. Yeah, yeah, that's going to set us up. You know, what, what Biden did was pull up his skirt and bend over. You know, I mean, he's got us in a precarious way. You know, Schumer, Schumer will tell you that Biden's sharp as a tack. Listen, I talk to President Biden, you know, regularly, sometimes several times in a week or usually several times in a week. His mental acuity is great. It's fine. It's as good as it's been over the years. I've been speaking to him for 30 years since we worked on the Brady Bill and the assault weapons ban when I was a young congressman <laughs> um and um he's 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 fine all this right-wing propaganda that his mental acuity has declined is wrong he's going to win the election because he has a great record because um more and more americans are seeing that record and never mind the fact that you can see how much he's diminished just by looking at him never mind the fact that he can't finish a sentence in a press conference Never mind all that, because your lying eyes are deceiving you. The fact of the matter is, Joe's as sharp as a tack. He's never been sharper. Are you kidding me, Schumer? I mean, come on. Well, <laughs> but, but I think you know, they think you're stupid, Bill. I really well, do. They do. They think you're stupid, I'm stupid. It's life under the mushroom, and they're going to tell us how it's going to be. And if we don't comply, and Trump squeaks through and wins the election... They have got a mechanism in place that will sit there and deny the presidency, even if they've got to shut it down all together. And then you're going to see who the real thief is, and it's going to be too damn late, which is why right now they're trying to figure out. They know that people have guns. They know it. And everybody that has a gun knows it, that they want that gun. The reason is... It's like Nazi, you know, the Germans, you know, they can wear their weapons, they can't, they can't revolt. 
uh, and that's what they're doing. They want to they want to shut us down. And and I want to remind you of uh, something we were talking about Putin and his background and where he stands and what he's doing right now. But I want to remind you what we talked about a couple of days ago uh, from Dmitry Medvedev, the deputy chairman of Russia's mm-hmm. Security Council. He said this on February 18th. He used to be the uh, the president of Russia, too, former president of Russia. So this guy is not some lackey in the government. He was, at one point, the replacement for Putin when he couldn't serve a consecutive term. And uh, Medvedev said uh, he thinks that uh, nuclear weapons against uh, Washington, D.C. are a distinct possibility. We no. should, he even said we should use them. Uh, yeah, I think they're rattling the saber. Uh, you know, Biden's ratcheted up to sit there and says 30 days, 30 days, and he wants to seize all of the Ukraine. And with that said, what happens in the next 30 days? Yeah. In the next 30 days, Putin is up for election, and he's set to win, but he knows that he's got to have a strong Russia, yeah. and he's got it because economically he figured out Biden and the Democrats with their sanctions, and he sits there at the Nord Stream. Even though we realized probably a mistake and went to b- blow it up, well, we didn't do that job very well, did we? And so he's making a killing off of the fact that we quit our production. We quit selling. Do you know that if we we sat there and had, if we would rattle up our production again, Turkey that needs that oil and gas would be buying it from us instead of them, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you would cut off his money funnel, and we're talking to Hillary's talking about how rich he is. He wouldn't be so rich. If you hear a voice clearing in the background, I got my granddaughter here. Yeah. It's, uh, she is here today. She's I got thought no you were school. doing your ventriloquism. Yeah. No, well, no, she is my puppet. See? Hey, there she is. Hi. <laughs> she might say hasta la vista, baby, in a few minutes. Oh, that'd though, be know. good. That'd be we'll a change. See. Yeah, well, yeah, she's got to practice and get her voice up really loud for that, you know. So, oh, there's a. So there you go. It'll be interesting yeah, anyway. to see, Bill, where uh, where this is all going because thirty yeah. days. Uh, I think Russia is getting actually stronger as opposed to uh, the U- the Ukraine's having. They've already been. People have said. People in the know in the military have said, "Look at the Ukraine has already lost this war." It, to, right. To put any more money into the Ukraine right now is going to be just good money after bad. Right. And because there's no way that the Ukrainians are going to win this war. Now, this is people who I respect who've said that, the Douglas McGregors, people like that, who have had a lot of experience in war and are respected former military officers. And mm-hmm. uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if uh, if Putin's order for complete victory within 30 days actually happens. And then what happens then? If, if if they get to a point where they're going to take over the country, is it going to escalate the Ukraine war? Well, yeah. I mean, that's going to be the, the uh, left's call for more money. We've got to win this war. Well, you would think with all the money we've poured in, with the jets we have and the technology and everything that's going on, that we would have already done this. We should have. We are that superpower. We Nobody has... I mean, you and I looked at the map of nuclear weapons and, and different things, and as much as we talk about China and everything, they are in financial disarray. They haven't set themselves up like Russia. But 
I think they have 500 nukes. I think you only need one nuke. I mean, North Korea has 30. We've got over 5,000. Russia's got over 6,000. Maybe Russia's got an older military and uh, less weaponry than or sophisticated weaponry. We have it. He's got the fuel to run his. Yeah. We, on the other hand, probably not so much. Hey, listen, um, I, I think we've just about wrapped this one up. Uh, I, I should uh, point out if you want to contact us, you can do it. 833-538-7868, our number 833-538-7868. You can do it, man. It's mail it. You can uh, it's do another- it. You can do it, man. Hey, mail it. It's another day.com. Mail it, Jim and Bill.com and Jim and Bill at mail.com. All right. Uh, you have a guest, pretty... a guest, Asta La Vista baby person. I hope, I Am hope I correct? She, she, yeah. All right. How old are you? Six. Oh, you're not okay. six. You're, okay. you're, you're 10. Is she 10, Bill? Are you 10? No. <laughs> she's no, 12. She's, you're 12. No. <laughs> well, then how old are you? Six. Oh, okay. Sure. Are you sure? How many fingers is that? Okay. Yeah, okay. She's got now, She's got a thumb and is five this, fingers. Is this young lady ready to uh, do our our ending? Uh, is well, she, I got it. Has well, she rehearsed? Got, hey, can you say hasta la vista, baby? No. No? <laughs> That's how we say goodbye. Come on, say it. Hasta la vista, baby. No. no, she wouldn't do something that silly. <laughs> no. All right, then I'll do it, okay? You ready? Yeah. Okay. Hasta la vista, baby! We're out of here! <laughs> This is CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs>